speaking of Honduras, I, I see that we, again, every Sunday, we're represented by so many countries outside of the United States. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I uh, was greeted by people from Brazil, Bruno Mave and, and uh, Daniel and Giselle. And, uh, we, it's just so amazing that the number of people, Guatemala and, and Velvet, and, and we know that Ghana, Africa is represented by the Kotos. And just, just the amazing world uh, influence that we have here at the chapel. It's amazing that I think a lot of the Texans might have got a little cold this morning. <laughs> or uh, the, the beach dwellers in Rio, Brazil, maybe, I don't know what happened there, but I, I, I really was impressed when I saw Pauline pull up. She lives probably one of the furthest her and Connie away from the church. But what really amazed me is when she got off her motorcycle and took off her helmet. <laughs> But when she looked at me and said, what are you looking at? Now, the attitude could have been a little bit. But she made it. Sorry, Pauline, I may gone, so I've got to pick on you. <laughs> well, the good thing about today is it's the last day of 2017. All those that have had a great, wonderful year, you can look back on 2017 and be thankful. Thank you, God, so much for a great year. And all of you that say, well, you know, maybe it wasn't as good as, you know, you could add whatever you want. But the truth of the matter is you can celebrate and say, thank you, God. We have a new year coming tomorrow. So whatever situation you're in, before I preach this morning, I just want us to start out with a thankful heart. Now, as I pray, would you please do me a favor? You know, sometimes we have a habit of just kind of going brain dead during a prayer and listening or maybe not even listening. But this morning, I want you to engage your spirit as we pray thankfulness for what God has given us. Would you do that with me? Would you do that with me? Yeah. All right. Let's see if you're with me. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for all that you have done in our life, doing in our life, and what you will do in 2018. That God, that every step of this year, God, we realize that you're with us if we see it or if we feel it. Because, God, we know that we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. God, we thank you. God, what will we say about 2018? Will we say that we gave it our all or will we say that we just put enough out to make it through? God, I pray that the people that are here will agree with me that 2018, we're going for the best year of our life. In the name we pray. Amen. 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 This morning, I, 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 you know, I'm going to preach a message. And I realize that today is the last day for a lot of things. <clears throat> this is the last day that you'll be able to give in the offering for 2017. This is the last day that you will come to this building for 2017. And there's a, there's a sense of, you know, a new beginning, but just for a second, what if today was the last day that you would live? Now, again, there would be some, well, there's some regrets. There's some, you know, being thankful for different things. But, but this morning, I want you to see this, that this is not your last day. And every time that we get to the end of a year and we say, what will the next year, what will it be like? I guarantee that we all have to come up with the understanding and the agreement to move on. That we can't stay where we are now. 
We can't settle for second best just because it's familiar or just because we're confident because we've already experienced it. But this morning as a church and as individuals making up the church, each one of us that are here to decide to go on to increase in our life. Can I get an amen from this Pentecost church? You're free and given authority all through this sermon. Throw out an amen. Any time you Merry Christmas is gone, but that's a gift. I heard a story about an interview of an African guide, and they asked the, the guide, they said, is it true that if you carry a torch through the jungle, that the animals will not kill you? And the guide thought a minute, and he responded with, well, I guess it depends on how fast you carry the torch. <laughs> Sometimes we are looking for something to give us increase without any effort in our life, but it just doesn't exist. Now, now watch this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, I want to start out by saying this. It says, what a God we have. Not a question mark, but a statement. And how fortunate we are to have him. Can I get an amen? amen? He is the father of our master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. Did, did you hear that? Including, not just, oh, we're waiting, just holding the fort until heaven. But we have a brand new life and it includes a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. Now, listen to that. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. If you believe the word of God, you have to come to grips with going, well, you know, maybe my past experience hasn't really experienced that. And we begin to reason, is that true? Or you can say with obedience, God, I believe your word to be true. Because our future will be hindered if not altered by our willingness to stretch in our belief of the word of God in our life. This morning I've read a passage, I'm going to read a passage that I've read in the past. And we brought out a truth that again at the end of this year I want to bring out. You say, well pastor I've heard you speak on that. I'm speaking on it again, just be aware. Not weary, be aware. Listen to this. It says in Romans chapter 3 verse 4. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they broke the promises to God, does that mean God will break his promises? Now, now, listen to this. Answer the question. If it says this, let God be true and every man a liar. The next verse. What is the question that how can we allow or let God be true and every man a liar? How is that possible? Have you ever stopped and again thought about that? How can we let God be true when God is true? Is there some kind of special power that we have to, to remind God of his promise? And he's got to keep doing that we have to say, you know, hocus pocus. And then God says, oh, you got me. I'll be, I'll tell the truth. <coughs> is there some kind of magic or hoop that we jump through? Because I think a lot of times when people read that, they go, What? And then they read right over. In, in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, 
It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the, a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? See, and what we do is it doesn't say make him be true. But the word of God says this. He says, let him be true in your life. Now watch that. That is something that is for us a responsibility that comes in a lot of people don't want that. And it's easy for me, I understand, to talk to somebody and say, do you have faith and do you not walk in fear? But again, when it comes back to me, just like all of us, that we have to take some inventory, and especially at the end of the year, and we say, am I walking in faith or do I always stop short because of fear that comes in my life? This morning, when you look through the Word of God, as the Word of God encourages us to do, and people in the Word of God are examples, so we don't fall into that place. And <clears throat> I know that sometimes we get in a, in a situation and we go, well, they didn't have to take care of that in the Bible. Those people were in a different country at a different time. They, they just did Oh, let me tell you. If you've gone through problems, you realize that we go through problems that are in the Word of God, just like even all the way back to Adam and Eve, when they had everything that they really wanted, needed, but they wanted the one thing. Huh? Don't we all have a problem sometimes with that very thing? Of not being thankful for what God has given us? So all these things. So this morning I want to take the example of the children of Israel. Now let me give you an update, just some background. They've come out of Egypt. You know what Egypt was? It was a whooping. Literally. Pharaoh would whip them to make his building projects. They had, be, they had become slaves in the land of Egypt. And God shows up in the man of Moses to deliver them out of Egypt. Some of you, if I say, could you summarize the story right now? You probably could give a kind of an overview of what I'm going to talk about just in, in the subject we're, we're dealing with. <clears throat> but the slave master, their uh, former tormentor, has let them go because of the plagues. He had been made to let them go. He didn't want to let them go. But he let them go, and the people of Israel are celebrating as they leave. And just a few days out, he changes his mind. I want them back. Now again, there's a parallel to us in our, in our lives when we leave uh, slavery of addiction and bondage. And, and the previous thing that we've come out of wants us back. And sometimes it comes after us. And just in this story, it says this in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. Now, now I just want you to think about this. Not just as a storybook story. I want you to put yourself in their sandals on that day. It says, they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. <laughs> then they said to Moses, I, I want you to see this. They're crying out, they're terrified, and then they turn to Moses and they say, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Did we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now, when, when you read that, if you're Moses, could, could you imagine him pulling his hair out? It's mind-boggling. It's almost like breaking someone out of prison and they go, what are you doing? I want to stay here. Come on. 
someone that's sick and you brought them to health and they go, you know what, I, I just don't really want to recover. It's so comfortable. I got this sick bed. Got someone to pat me on the head with a little wet cloth. I've got this little bell here that I can ring. <laughs> you want to help someone to the next level and they say, just leave me alone. I want to stay right here where I'm at. It's mind-boggling. Now think about it. Either these people are babies or they're hooked on abuse. There's something that's working there or there's revelations in the words that we just read that can apply to our life. <coughs> there's revelation that says that change is going to be hard in our life. As we progress and we go on to increase, it's so hard that we even get to the point that we give up on our dreams that God has put in our lives because we realize out of past experiences, sometimes to overcome just the threat of failure in our life is too much to go on. Did, did you hear me? I'm not talking about that we all go through times of failure, but just the threat of failure sometimes hinders people from even taking another step. See, everybody wants to go to the promised land, but nobody wants to go through the wilderness. But let me tell you, the only way to the promised land is through the wilderness. And because the people know that where the, the lights went out in Georgia, what the <laughs> went out in Texas. <clears throat> I'm back. All right. Everybody wants to go to the promised land. Did you know that what makes people become satisfied with mediocre or even to be satisfied in settling for something that's even a terrible situation? Again, it, when you think about people that, uh, uh, ladies that will stay with an abusive husband or, or when you think about a person that, that is all geared up to do something alive but it takes a college education that they don't want to go to college, it's the fear just the threat of failure might be in their future. So they begin to pull up short. Can I tell you, if you're taking notes, say this to yourself, everything you have ever wanted is on the other side of fear. Tell yourself that. You might write that down, put it by your bed, put it by your alarm clock, put it by your refrigerator, put it somewhere that you see it, because every time that God puts a dream in your heart and speaks over your life, the reason why we don't pursue that dream is because we have the fear or the threat that failure might be in our future. Listen to what they said. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? What they're saying is at least we were safe. They said, at least we were safe. You might have to give up on your safety today in order to receive what God has for you in 2018. I know safety is such a high part of the hierarchy of needs that sometimes we say, you know what? It's food, clothing, and shelter is first, and then it's safety. And pastor, I'd rather give up on my dreams than even fear being a little insecure in my life. Being able to go on to a dream that God has spoken over my life. I'd rather die in Egypt. Or I'd rather die in the wilderness than go into the uh, go out into the uh, wilderness and be killed by the Egyptian. It would have been better for us to stay back in slavery. In the book of Exodus, chapter 14, listen to what it says. Moses told the people, Fear not, stand 
firm, confident, undismayed. He says, stand firm and see what the, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you shall never see again. Now, now think about this. When, when I read this over and over and over, he puts in there, you will never see again. That, that's pretty a bodacious statement, isn't it? Here they are in the wilderness and the most powerful country is bearing down on them. And Moses doesn't even say, he doesn't just stop and say, we're going to be victorious or we're going to escape this persecution. We're going to go on to better things. No, he says, the enemy that you see, you're not even going to see again after today. There's something about having confidence in the promises of God over our life that gets us the ability to get up and stand and watch what God's going to do. <laughs> this morning as I was reading the sermon, I, I realized, is there a problem with the lights? The power on the whole building because of the air conditioning. I'll go turn off. Turn off the air conditioning. Okay. <laughs> it's already too cold outside, so we'll have to use our flashlights, but I'm finishing the sermon. Amen. <laughs> There's a part in our brain that's right behind our eyes called the amygdala amygdala or something like that. It's as big as a fingernail. And that is the, the part of the brain that will send the siren off every time that we get into a, a place where we think it's dangerous. And you know as well as me, a lot of times it goes from fear or flight. It's, it's flight or fight. But if your first reaction is always impulsive, you'll always, the, the, the health in your class probably taught you this in high school, that if you are always a person that's impulsive on your first reaction, it will always be to run away. That's part of the brain. That's part of what the brain tells us. Before we even see what has happened, before we even know all the things, our brain begins to reason, it's better for you just to leave. Get out of this situation. Let me tell you this morning, if you want to go on this year to the cost, this is the cost of obedience in God. See, just like a lot of times we just want God to kind of pick us up and, and, and take us to a new point in our life and increase, it doesn't work that way. There's a cost. And if you can increase, if you can just take this message this morning, if you can meditate on it and process it, if you can embrace it, this morning you won't go back to Egypt, you won't rest thinking that slavery is better than what God has for you. There might be this morning some people here that are dealing with the fear of uh, uh, starting a new relationship or, or maybe in their finances that they're always going to be in poverty if they trust God. Or, or maybe there's a self-inferior problem or, or something of control or intimidation that's working in your life. And if you can get over just the threat of failure coming in your life, you'll never go back to slavery. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing. The way that God takes you out of perilous way and takes you into the promised land is not a safe way, but it's a confident way that we can have in him. Even though that there's times when we feel like the enemy is bearing down, God says, you just wait. I've got it all under my control. Right. See, when Paul says this, let God be true and every man a liar. There's some things that God has spoken over my life. There's some things that God has spoken over your life that you have not seen yet with your own eyes. There might be somebody in here that's believing for a spouse. 
kind of like the guy that said, man, I'm two-thirds ready to get married. What do you mean two-thirds? I'm willing and God's willing. She's just not willing yet. <laughs> Some of you are believing for a job that you've been praying about. Some of you are believing for increase in your life. And, and just to this point, you're saying, you know what? Every time... Every time that I let God be true and allow God to be true in my life and walk it out by faith and not give up, not go back, every time that I'm saying, God, today is the day, today is the day, I'm allowing God to be true in my life and not allowing the enemy to speak over my life and be true to you. I think that you need to understand today, as your pastor, I'm challenging you to let God be true in your life and every man a liar. That includes sometimes your own voice that's speaking to you about your own identity. See, sometimes we can get excited about our identity and say, I'm a child of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then you can leave here and only there, There's a, maybe a mistake that you make in your life, a mess up, and all of a sudden that mistake becomes your destiny because that voice begins to speak over your life more than the Word of God. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. But think about this. When Moses went into Egypt telling the people God wanted them to experience a promise. Think about it. The promise was that they were going to move out of slavery. First of all, I'm I'm in. But when he says you're going to move out of slavery, out of bondage, into a place of milk and honey, a place uh, that you're not going to build your houses, you're not going to build your vineyards, you're you're not going to have to plant them, you're, you're just going to move in and possess land. I want you to see that every one of them said yes. And so when God speaks over our life and we go, you know what, I'm in. I, I love that. I, I, I want to do that. I, I, want to, I want to possess that promise in my life. <laughs> this morning I want you to see it's a process. And the process that God takes through, what, what he takes his people through a lot of times is not a safe way. It's not a comfortable way. And for sure it's not a familiar way. And if we're not careful and if we're not equipped with the right foundation, what we do is we say, God, are you really speaking to me? (coughs) See, fear will always try to get you to go back to your old neighborhood, to hang out with your old buddies, so that your old friends will see you the way that they would accept you. Fear has a way of saying, come on back. Don't don't stretch. Don't don't go on with God. And how hard is it, some people say, to just go back to the old neighborhood and and make a little straw and some bricks and and we'll just make whatever the make-believe Pharaoh says over our life? I'm here to tell you that most people will not do anything that they're not made to do. So it's easy to gravitate back to a place of slavery where somebody is telling us, this is who you are and this is all you'll be. I'm telling you, our God says, no, it's not. Have faith in me. Move out. You know, it's hard sometimes to teach people to have courage or what we say is have faith in God. Until you've experienced the goodness of God, you'll never believe God to be good. You can say it. But getting to the goodness of God is going to take faith on your part. <laughs> There's sometimes when we don't even, we, we can't believe it because we've never experienced it. 
I heard a, a parable about a, a rich man, and one day as on his trips and traveling, he ran into this poor guy that was a, a builder. And, and he was so poor. I mean, his house was dilapidated, and his, his family were just living in squalor. I mean, it was, it was terrible. And the rich man took it upon himself. He, he felt the burden of this man that was so poor that was a builder, and he said, I tell you what, I want to commission you to build a house. And so the, the poor man said, sure, knowing that that was a way for him to make money. <clears throat> the rich man said, I want you to build it this size. It was a beautiful house. He said, I, I, want you to, I want you to build it with the best materials possible. I want you to hire the best builders that have the best qualities, the talents that they have. And I, I want you to use the best. And then whatever contractor, every contractor would love to hear Spare no expense. Whatever it takes, build it the very best you can. The builder, or the, the rich man left the builder, but before he left, he said, I'm going to go on a trip, and when I come back, I'd like the house to be ready. So the rich man left on his trip. <coughs> the builder began to build and he began to think, I can make a lot of money, a lot more money if I cut corners. So he began to hire people that weren't the best quality, and he kind of cut corners on the materials, and you know, he would make more profit, but it just didn't look as good. He 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 realized that some of the builders would do kind of a, a half-baked job, but he would cover it over with plaster and then paint it. He was so happy because he made so much more money off just skimming, you know, just trying to do as cheap a job as possible. And the day came when the, the rich man returned and, and the, the poor construction worker handed him the keys and said, there's your house. And the rich man said, no, no, I built that. I had it built for you and handed the keys back to him. <laughs> what does the story tell you? See, a lot of times we have in our mind, we begin to reason the way that God's going to work. And, and a lot of times if he hasn't done exactly what you thought, all of a sudden you think that there's no way that God would ever be that good to me. I've said this statement before, but it always baffles me. What makes a bride call her mother before the wedding and say, we should call the wedding off? It's the fear. Or a new mother, after delivering a healthy baby, spend... Days in the hospital, suffering depression. It's the fear that she might not be a good mother. If you've ever suffered by starting a new job and just walking the floors before the day you begin, it's the fear that you might not do a good job. What makes a person say, I can't reach out and share the gospel with my neighborhood? Fear of well, what makes a person say, I can't tithe. I won't have enough money at the end of my paycheck to be able to be there. They're feared that they won't have enough. The fear, the threat of failure in their life. Until you face fear and quit waiting for that perfect time, for that feeling to live, you'll always suffer in slavery of thinking, you know, why is that work for me? Why is it faith in God work? You will not receive the promises of what God has put in your spirit to do. 
Let me tell you, I hope you can handle this today. Let me give you now, instead of just talking about the problem, let me give you a solution. If you're taking notes, these are the things that I want to challenge you this year to do. To step out of mediocrity and step out of just saying, you know what, I'll settle for second best. I'll just stay here. Instead of saying, you know what, God, I believe you have even more for me this year. This is the first thing that I want you to be challenged Maybe you don't do a New Year's resolution, but the first point that I want to make is a challenge, and that is this. You're going to need what I call the three C's. So I don't have six points. I put three in one point. Here it is. You're going to need communication. You're going to need communion and a close association. In other words, you can sum it up by you're going to need intimacy with God this year. As you're writing that down, look at that. Communication, communion, and close association. As we learned in the, in the series in the Christian Education 8 to Great, most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. And if you think about it, the way that you pray has a lot to be said about what's going on in your life. Because if I'm not careful, I do the same thing. I begin to pray the problem. I'm like a machine gun firing out all the complaints, all the problems that are going on in my life. Is there anybody in your life that's close to you? I'm not saying anybody that just is an acquaintance or you don't enjoy, but is there anybody close to you in your life that you, every time that you are with them, that they're the only ones talking? No. Because we don't want to be around a person that's always talking. We want it to be a communication, a two-way street. (laughs) To have intimacy with somebody means that there's communication. So this year, when we're talking about going on to increase, it's going to take time, 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 time. I didn't just get stuck like a record. I mean, it's going to take time on your part. Have you ever put a young person in a room? And nowadays, it's not even the young person. For about five minutes, they're they're fumbling around. Where's my phone? I got to look at something. I got to keep my mind busy. I got to keep going. And a lot of times, we become so busy that we don't have that closeness with God. You know, this year, I'm going to fast. You say, Pastor, how many days are you going to fast? That's none of your business. (laughs) But I encourage some of you that would like to fast. Now, we know that it's food. But fasting is doing that without something for a while. Maybe you could say, I'm not going to pick up my phone. I can put put it on the ringer so that if it rings an emergency, so you don't give yourself an excuse. Pastor, there might be an emergency. I've got to look at it. But put it away and see if you cannot look at your smartphone for several days. Some people say, Pastor, I won't eat for a couple days, but don't make me do that. 